crema. The button has been pushed. Commencing podcast now. All right, let's just start that. Uh, From the top. From the top. Welcome to Pop Tech Jam, the independent audio magazine about consumer technology, pop culture, and anything else we feel like talking about. I'm J.D. Beersdorfer. And I'm Pedro Rafael Rosado. On this week's show, we got a little bit of news, and Al Kaiser has some USB microphones that he is going to share his thoughts upon. And, uh, you know, any, anything else that pops up, you know, we will probably run with it. Uh, how you been, Al Kaiser? It's been a couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I'm getting yelled at by my uh, Mac here that... Uh, my reminder is that I have to record PTJ oh, right okay. now. Well, it, I'm supposed it, to be recording right now, so yeah. let's hurry up so I can do that. I got to yeah, record yeah, PTJ. You know, we gotta get the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's gonna if you haven't put that new security update that Apple rushed out frantically for all of its devices for that whole uh, messages spyware thing. You know, it's probably gonna reboot in the middle of this session. And, and oh, I'm uh, sure it will. I have no doubts. No doubts at all. Yes. So, uh, well, before that happens, I guess we should, you know, maybe talk about some news, unless you saw news. anything on TV that, that merited uh, explaining. No, you know what? I've been actually, um, I've been diving back into comics again, catching up on my comics. I, I've been running hot and cold with the TV because, you know, it's like I've been sitting on my ass for so long, just with it work and the pandemic and all this stuff, that I'm trying to be a little more active. A little more active. Yeah, you know l- I mean? less staring at, at uh, glass screens. Yes, and, and maybe, you know, even just doing a little bit of exercise here in the house. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, I gotta, I, it's, it's, my vacation is over. My year and a half of vacation of just sitting on my ass. You ever, you ever, have you ever done that where you're like, God, I wish I could just, just sit on my butt for a year? Mm-hmm. I think well, that was part of college for me, but yeah, go yeah, on. yeah. <laughs> but you know what? It's not that fun after a while. After a while, it's not that fun. Yeah, well, yeah. you feel like, well, I did this yesterday. I'm going to do it tomorrow. Yeah, you, yeah. you kind of want to break up the routine. Maybe you do. You do. learn some new things, go out, see some new things. It is New York. Yes. There's always something yes. to see here. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, there's always a Texan beating up a waitress. So there's that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Now, this, this is... Uh, Crazy times are in, but you, but you, so you're, you're taking your eyeballs off of the, the uh, flat screens and you're I'm applying them to. to books and comics and, and things indeed. in 3D that you don't have to wear goggles for. And, and treeware, treeware, yes, treeware. All right. Well, you know, it's, it's good to take a break. Kind of mix it Agreed. up. Agreed. Yes, Agreed. Uh, w- w- would you like some news? I would love some news. We do have some bits of news here. Excellent. Well, let's uh, roll on into, you know, it's not the X-Files, but the Facebook files, the Wall Street Journal, uh, you know, that that, that little newspaper uh, down the street there. I've heard them. I've heard them. Yeah. They did a multi-part expose into the inner workings of one Facebook uh, and found out uh, quite a few things that many people have suspected all along about how damaging the platform has been to, you know, like society. Uh, apparently, this was information that Facebook also knew and had buried. You know, it didn't really want this to get out. So they had a lot of internal reports that said, hey, this is happening. And, and you know, Facebook lifted up the rug and in those papers went. So can I just say I'm shocked? I'm yes, gobsmacked. You were shocked. You were clutched the pearls shocked. I'm clutching um, my pearls gobsmacked. That's how bad I am, right? Yes. So, really? And th- this was a fairly detailed, because we see like a, a Facebook story at least once a month in the slow non-election years about something that's going on or something. They are in a congressional thing and they're promising to do better or 
they've done something that has has angered a, a large part of the user base, and they promise to do better. But apparently, they haven't really following through with that whole, you know, doing better thing. And someone who was seeking federal whistleblower protection has actually come to the reporters there at the journal with some some evidence, some receipts, as you might Ooh, say. Oh, snap. Ooh, including snap. Uh, research reports, online employee discussions, drafts of presentation to senior management of things that Facebook's internal researchers and workers had been, been gathering and watching going <sighs> all along. And the revelations in this series of Wall Street Journal articles include Facebook allowing celebrities and other high-profile users to be exempt from the content rules that others must follow. They also found that Facebook's attempt to boost meaningful content in news feeds just led to a more polarized and divisive post being shared, which, yeah, we saw that all last year. Mm -hmm. They also found that the company's Instagram photo-sharing platform has impacted the mental health of teens, particularly teen girls, badly because the, these teen girls are seeing everyone looking beautiful and filtered and wonderfully cropped and immaculate on Instagram, and that has not helped the self-esteem. So I believe that has led to some depression and feelings of anxiety for teenage girls who feel like they cannot keep up with the fantasy world of Instagram. And in one of the more recent articles, the journal also looked at Facebook's weak response to drug cartels and traffickers using this platform for business and recruiting, which you think oh, would be man. a big deal. You know, it's like, uh, no. Uh, wow. So, so day by day, they, they have re released one, one of these articles. And over the course of the series, the journal reports that despite numerous pledges to the public and Congress, Facebook has allegedly failed to fix all of these problems that it's long known about. And uh, as we found out with the divisive posts thing, made them worse in some instances because the algorithm just pushed the same type of, of posts to people's feeds, which which ratcheted up the polarization and the divisiveness, creating the big echo chamber there. So it's a very interesting series. We'll have a link to the journal and all of the the stories in the series on the show page. You may need a Wall Street Journal subscription to read everything everywhere. But a lot of other news outlets have also done stories on the journal stories. And so you can get a, a good picture of uh, what was revealed within, but I'm kind of interested to see if congressional committees who have been looking at regulating big tech might, might be reading along. I hope they are. A lot of tea was served yes. on this story here. So. A copious amount. Yes, uh, but but we're not quite done with our Facebook news yet. Uh, uh -oh. The the uh, as well as you can imagine, the Facebook is always up for a way to uh, collect data from or on its users, and the social network now has a new deal with Ray Ban. You know the cool groovy sunglass people, uh, yeah, you know, Tom Cruise yeah. and Risky Business. So that Ray Ban, Facebook and Ray Ban have teamed up for very slick looking specs that can take photos, record video answer phone calls, play podcasts, and music, all while sitting on your face in a fairly attractive format. It's not the more sci-fi, Google Glassy kind of thing, which, which came and went. These are recognizable Ray-Bans. The frames contain two cameras, two micro speakers, three microphones, and a Snapdragon processing chip there. And the glasses can take photos by button press or audio command, although if you say Facebook take a photo out loud, people are going to know that you are taking photos of them. And I guess the glasses come with a charging case that plugs into any computer with USB-C cable, and on a full charge, uh, they can be used for roughly six hours. So that's a lot of augmented reality and or surveilling the area with your spy glasses and taking pictures. Can I just just call them what they are? Sure. 
They're perv glasses. Yeah, oh, okay. So the, the upskirt perv glasses, yes. Yeah, upskirt perv glasses that they used to sell in the back of the comics. Remember mm-hmm. those comics ads? Yeah, you know, I, I think X ray specs and stuff like that. That's what this sounds like. Yeah, and and probably a, a tad more expensive. Uh, but but even though the original Google Glass, you remember the glass holes era, and oh, they were, well, this is they a were, brand new. This will make it a brand new era of glass hole. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. So so I think well, I think Google was going to go back to the drawing board anyway. But Apple is still said to be pondering its own augmented reality smart glasses as a future product. So I don't know if this is just Facebook jumping ahead because. You know, it's, it's not even on your phone at this point. If you've got Facebook on your face because you're wearing these glasses around doing stuff, who knows? Is it just like watching where you go? Is that camera streaming back to Facebook headquarters as you walk around in your Ray-Bans? Who is going to buy this thing? Who's going to buy this thing? Well, pervs, but... Yeah, well, per, well, we got that. That's true, pervs. But, but besides the perv community, who is legitimate? What use case could you have for this? Well, I think. Well, I think there's the 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 hip the hipsters who want to try everything new. There are no hipsters on Facebook. That's true. So so the grandmas who want to get out, yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> and the I don't olds, know. Maybe it's a, the old. Yeah, if it's a corporate type thing or people who like tech, I, I it's just stupid. I, I doubt either one of us dumb. is the target market for this, yeah, especially because we sit serious. here and duck on Facebook a lot. But but it's because they deserve it. And they deserve it. This is just, uh, this is ridiculous. Ray-Ban should be embarrassed. Ray-Ban should really be embarrassed. Talk about a quick way to torpedo your cool factor. This yeah. just will, it's, this is like, this is like Fonzie jumping the shark. Mm-hmm. Literally, this is Fonzie jumping the shark. Ray-Ban. Oh, man. Now we're back in the mid-70s and all yes. I can see is happy days and the beaches. Right. And, and okay. And those, those white shorts that Fonzie wore. I don't get those. Like mm-hmm. I don't, I don't understand it at all. And a leather jacket to do the jump, I, it made no sense to me. I think it was a choice by the wardrobe department, but that's right, Ray Ban. You're wearing the white board shorts and leather jacket right now. Just, mm-hmm. I'm just telling you, pal. Yeah, no, seriously, you're, you're, you're putting it out there. Yes. All right. Well, well, let's uh, move on to two exciting bits of news from the old Federal Trade Commission. Okay. We haven't talked government agencies in a while. For one, the agency has done a little. Uh, data analysis in its spare time, and has found that many companies in the big tech club have been making mergers and acquisitions that evaded the eye of the FTC. Imagine that. I don't know why they wouldn't be open. Shocking. Yes, the agency studied acquisitions by Apple, Amazon, Alphabet slash Google, and Microsoft and urged regulators to look more closely to make sure that these companies weren't taking advantage of loopholes to avoid reporting the deals to the government authorities because the government is there to make sure you are not squishing your competition left and right by buying smaller companies. And I guess some of these companies were able to find little reporting alleys that they could run down and not maybe fully express what they were actually doing with these deals. The FTC announced a study last year that collected all of this information, which covers deals between 2010 and 2019 by the five tech giants. In the study, the agency wanted to better understand whether acquisitions occurring outside the view of the antitrust enforcers and regulators would be undermining the competition. I'm going to go ahead and venture that would be a yes. Yes. But they, they got to get, yeah, get, you know, get it in writing and, and study the, the numbers and all that. For our other FTC item this week, the agency voted three to two that the 2009 health breach notification rule, which uh, no surprise covers health data breaches – 
actually applies to apps that handle sensitive health information and look at your phone, everyone with Google Fit and Apple's Health thing and all of these apps for mental and physical wellness out there. There's a lot more apps that are collecting your sensitive health information. So this means that the companies who make these apps, fitness programs and and whatnot, must tell individuals when there have been data breaches of, of their servers and whatnot or security problems so that they know that, oh, yes, you've been putting all of your diet information into this app, but we just got hacked. And so now somebody knows how much weight you've lost and what they're going to do with that information. Who knows? But the point of the, the thing is that these companies now have to fess up if they get hacked because this is very deeply personal health-related information. And Correct. People got to know when they got to be nervous about it getting out in the wild. So the FTC had a busy week. Moving on, the game company Activision Blizzard is facing another lawsuit just a few months after it got sued by the state of California for enabling a culture of, quote, constant sexual harassment, which is from a game company. And I'm not horribly surprised there. No. Given given the players. But sadly, yeah. This most recent suit was filed to the National Labor Relations Board by a Code-CWA, which is the Digital Workers' Rights and Labor Organizer. And this was filed on behalf of a group of Activision Blizzard employees who claimed the company engaged in intimidation and coercive tactics as those employees fought to openly discuss pay discrepancies at the company and also their desire to end forced arbitration where you sign away your ability to sue in cases of, of where there's a claim against one employee to another. So, right. okay, so two lawsuits for Activision Blizzard. They're just piling them up now. Yeah. They're just collecting yeah. them like Pokemon cards now. Yeah, there, there could be, maybe there's going to be a whole new action lawsuit game coming out of this because <laughs> dodge the process server. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> where, uh, Dungeons well, and the, Dockets. That's yes, what it is. I like that. Trademark that. That's trademark. Uh, PCJ. And uh, Adobe, which, as we know, makes Photoshop. Illustrator, a lot of programs that have been around forever and are sort of industry standards. They're also getting into the electronic payments biz by introducing their payment services for Adobe Commerce. Now, this will add native payments to their customers' digital storefronts. Adobe Payment Service is going to be powered, though, by the PayPal commerce platform, which I have noticed just everywhere now. I mean, you know, it's like you order something online, oh, yeah. and it used it's- to be. A little hit or miss, and they mainly want a credit card, but now there's always a PayPal option. Or you can do Apple Pay or Amazon Pay, but all of these alternate things where you don't necessarily have to to drag out your piece of plastic or or, uh, use a credit card, you you can do with these electronic vendors now. PayPal is ubiquitous now. Yeah. So, So Adobe is jumping in as well. We have two epic, air quote, epic stories this week as well. For one, a judge ruled in favor of Epic Games in its fight with Apple. Now, this was a 185-page judgment of Epic's lawsuit, which we discussed about on a previous show. But Judge Yvonne Gonzalez-Rogers of the U.S. District Court for the Northern District of California ruled that Apple can no longer block developers from advertising alternative payment options to customers outside of the App Store. So uh, this was part of her judgment, though. It was a split decision, though, Ah. as the judge did not rule that Apple was operating an illegal monopoly, which was the other part of this lawsuit. Epic was really trying to bust Apple wide open here with the antitrust charges. So the ruling is set to take effect, though, about Apple not being able to stop developers from advertising their own payment options and channels there. So the ruling is supposed to take effect within 90 days unless a higher court steps in. 
Epic Games asks for a higher court to review uh, Gonzalez Rogers' decision of filing an appeal in the United States Court of Appeals for the Ninth Circuit. I guess they really want to run the table here and try to get the other part of the judgment from their suit to also be ruled in favor of. Apple, I, I think for now, is, you know, they have been getting their App Store grip getting slowly loosened by a number of countries and places who are deciding, well, no, Apple should not be able to only be the place and take the 30% cut. We talked about South Korea and, and some places in Europe, I think, on a previous episode. So that is starting to to get peeled back. But the getting ruled as a monopoly, if it's just Apple or, or Apple and Google, because they are kind of like a, a duopoly, that would really change the whole landscape of the app purchasing game and how we get apps and and also like if they're making $100 billion a year in their 30% slices of people's software, uh, that's going to change our bottom line a little bit too. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Now, uh, as for our other epic story, this is EPIK, the Hacktivist Collective Anonymous claims that his- Wait, hold on. Yippee-ki-yay? Yeah, yo, I'm thinking Die Hard. Um, yeah, yeah. Yes, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yes, yes. Uh, the hacktivist collective anonymous claims it has grabbed 180 gigabytes of private user data from Epic, E-P-I-K. Yippee-ki-yay. <laughs> yes, and this would be Epic, the web hosting service, not the game platform. Right. And for people out there who know uh, this peculiarly spelled form of Epic, it's also a hospitable hosting service for conservatives, far-right and alt-right social media groups and websites. Now, Anonymous, who I'd kind of forgotten about just in yeah, the so hurly-burly of in, in watching live protests on TV, Anonymous shared the purloined content for free as a torrent and uh, says the files contain more than a decade's worth of info from Epic's customers. So wow. probably a lot of people who may not want to be outed in this way um, mm-hmm. have, have their personal data out there. But Anonymous, and I think they also send up a link to Planned Parenthood. This seems to be in reaction to the, the Texas abortion ruling, the Texas bill that, that passed a, a couple of weeks ago. So Anonymous is getting back out there. So that was our epic stories, EPIC and EPIK. Oh, and uh, we have one more little Apple bit, uh, which I almost forgot, but they had their annual September event. And oh, yeah, yeah, iPhones, right. iPads, and other gear last week. And it was so low-key. You know, they, they sent out the invitations. They did the the streaming thing. It, it was not an in-person event because we're still in the COVID times. But they – and I think maybe even Apple's getting bored. You know, they kind of rolled out their stuff. Okay, here's the new iPhone 13. People were like, yeah, what? But the high end of the, of the new iPhone 13 range, you know, it does support some nice camera improvements because they always hit the camera stuff really nicely every year. And overall, the line has better battery life and faster processors. But some sites kind of referred to the upgrade as merely the iPhone 12S, like it was not oh. enough of a, you know, of a, of a uh, huge increase in, in hardware stuff to really feel like it was, you know, there's no new design, there's no... So, so the iPhone 13 has, has been, you know, smeared with the iPhone 12S label by some snarky websites. Apple also announced newer, faster iPads and iPad minis and the Apple Watch Series 7. And I guess the watch has a, a bigger screen. I don't know how big you can go with these things before it gets, you know, a little chunky. But I believe Apple is having another event later this fall, probably in the October and November time frame, where they usually tend to do the laptop stuff and maybe the things that aren't as near and dear to their hearts as the iPhone line. I say this with all sincerity. Yawn. Yeah. Meh. Yeah. Meh. 
Yeah, it was there. If you need a new phone, they got a new one. If you want to, yeah. you know, pay for the new price. If you exactly. cracked your iPad, they got a new one that you can get a better. So yeah, but it's not like if a kernel of sand cracked your screen on your MacBook, you got to wait till next month. Yeah, but but in in terms of you know getting all the the Mac nerds hot and bothered and people starting to camp out in front of the store for a week ahead of a release date, it, you're not really seeing that this time. It's not going to happen. Seriously, that those days are so over. And finally, and finally. While he didn't take a space joyride himself like some other billionaires have done this year, a SpaceX founder, Elon Musk, funded a diverse four-person fully commercial mission into orbit. Unlike previous SpaceX missions, none of the participants are trained astronauts. This would make me a little nervous, but I guess uh, everything's kind of autopilot now. Uh, but this, yeah, uh, I'm sorry to interrupt, but it doesn't make me nervous. It makes me kind of sad. Really? Like, there's no, I mean, you remember- anybody can go to space? Yeah, you know what? I mean, I guess it's goofy. Call me goofy. Call me naive. But when I was a kid, man, astronauts were heroes. Going up into space meant something spectacular. It was expanding horizons in ways that we had never experienced before. This was just spectacular for a kid, you know, but the bloom is off the rose for me. It's a different type of rose, I might say. Well, well, the name of the mission was Inspiration 4, I guess because there were four people. And the goal was to complete the first orbital space flight with only private citizens aboard. And it was all part of a charitable effort on behalf of St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital in Memphis, Tennessee. Now I feel bad. He wanted to give regular people, I guess, a chance to go up. And they had some type of training. Like, you do have to, you know, expect also, you know, the, like the space barfs, you know, when you hit the certain g Space barfs! And I think it's sort of to pave the way. Like, look, eventually space travel is just going to be like getting on the crosstown bus, except you're going to the moon. It's going to be down the road a little bit. But NASA was like nowhere near this mission at all. It was done with a private rocket and built by a private company. And... A, a private crew of individuals, including, I believe, the first African-American woman pilots. So so it, it does feel like they, they kind of got a little bit of a shortcut, but for charity. I'm sorry, J.D., but it's not canon. It's not canon. Yeah, like you, this is like the Calvin line of, of space yeah. travel for yeah, you. Yeah, that's exactly right. Exactly right. So, uh, but but it, it does point out that the future is happening fast. Yes. So uh, that's been a sort of, well, not so quick, uh, a look at the news of, of the past week or so here in the tech world. If you would like to know more about any of the stories we have nattered on about, I will have a list of links on our show page over at poptechjam.com. Up next, I believe there might be some microphones in the mix. <laughs> Jady. Pedro. I don't know if you remember last time I talked about USB microphones. It might have been a year ago, year and a half ago. I, like I said at the top of the show, I had promised in that segment that I would revisit. Some of our listeners actually reached out and asked that I do that. So that's what I'm doing now. I'm going to And you're a man of your word. I try to be. I certainly try to be. And I'm going to keep this short. I've talked about most of these microphones before, but if you noticed a difference in the way the show sounds... Right now, I'm actually doing something I don't think I've ever done in the history of the show. I'm using a USB microphone. You got away from XLR? I got away from XLR. We've done 357 episodes before this one, and I think this is the first time I used a USB microphone. And what I'm using is the Becaster from Neat Microphones. Neat, the company, 
was founded by some expats from a company that you're familiar with, Blue Microphones, who created the Yeti microphone, which you're using. Yes, I have a Yeti right in front of me. Yes. So this microphone has become the standard for me, the B-caster. It does not look like a standard microphone by any stretch of the imagination. Not even close. What does it this, look like? The Beecaster, it retails right now for about $340. What it is, is a strange little boom arm. That boom arm has a squarish, rectangular microphone capsule with a huge beefy metal base that has a mute button on it, headphone volume, mic gain, and it allows you to change to different capsules on the microphone. It's a condenser microphone, so you can go from mono to stereo to wide stereo and to focused stereo. Now, wide stereo and focused stereo would probably be more if you're recording either a roundtable conversation or music somewhere. It does not look like a standard microphone. We'll include a link in the show notes, and you can see how weird it looks. It sounds great to me, to my ears. And again, the disclaimer that we always say, it's subjective. When I compared this to something like the Rode Podcaster, now the Podcaster, I talked about many, many eons ago on the show, it's a $229 USB microphone. It is the USB version of the classic Rode Procaster, which is a standard radio mic and podcast mic, XLR though. When you compare it, it's they're very similar, but the difference between the Rode Podcaster and this microphone, the Beecaster, is that the Beecaster is a condenser microphone, so it's very sensitive to background noise. As I'm recording this, I had to turn off the fans, I had to turn everything off. You've probably heard while we're recording, we're doing this very verite, I'm in New York City, so you're going to hear sirens, you're going to hear alarms, you're going to hear all sorts of stuff in the background. It's a very sensitive microphone. The Rode Podcaster is more forgiving because it's a dynamic microphone, so it's just going to pick up whatever's in front of its capsule. A good microphone, but for me, it never sounded as good as the Procaster the XLR version from the same company. Now, Rode itself, and now a lot of companies are making USB microphones, especially during the pandemic, because this is what we do. We sit home and we make podcasts. It's a new market. Right, it's a new market. Or we do Zoom calls and people love doing Zoom calls or they do videos for gaming sites like Twitch and stuff like that. But another microphone that I've been impressed with, but not as much as the Beecaster, has been the Audio-Technica AT2020 USB mic. Now, that microphone has been around pretty much forever. The XLR version has. The USB version is, you know, maybe, I think maybe five, 10 years ago they came out with it. And it's been updated. The one I've tested or played around with is the USB Plus. It's a cardioid condenser microphone. It's a condenser just like this. The AT2020 from Audio-Technica, it looks like your standard studio mic. It's a front facing mic so you have to stand it up pretty much straight up unlike the podcaster or the what they call the canon mics where you speak directly to the top of it this you speak to essentially one of the sides of the microphone the limitation of this microphone although it sounds natural is that it is very susceptible to sibilance now sibilance is that 
that you know, sharp, sound, hissy right? sound, you know, and it's, it's also very susceptible to whistling S's. It is very sensitive to that. And again, it's not the most expensive microphone. Not that being expensive necessarily means it has to be crap, but there are some limitations to it. And being very sensitive to sibilance is one of them. Now, when I compared the Becaster to other microphones like the Shure MV7, which I spoke about on the show many moons ago, now that's the Shure microphones, USB version, or they claim that it's the USB version of their classic SM7B microphone, which is a standard radio and recording studio microphone. It was used on the Thriller album by Michael Jackson. It's used in, you know, if you watched any type of broadcast from a radio station, you've probably seen this microphone, the SM7. The MV7 is nowhere near, not even close in quality. It doesn't hold a candle to the SM7B. It doesn't hold a candle to the Becaster. They're charging $249 for this thing. Don't waste your money on it. If you can find the Becaster, now the problem is, as you mentioned earlier in the show, that there are problems with manufacturing. So there are some sites that just don't sell this anymore because they can't be made because of shortages and uh, not just of equipment and materials, but of people. But if you were going to invest in a decent USB microphone, you can't go wrong with a Becaster. Again, it's about $300 if you can find it. I would recommend a second option if you're willing to spend about $230, you could go with the Rode Podcaster. Those would be my two recommendations right now. My third option, very close to the Podcaster, from Rode would be the Audio Technica USB 2020 Plus. I see. And that's so you've it. Been, you've been testing a lot of microphones there. That's what I do for a living: microphones mm-hmm. and headphones. Mm-hmm. That's my life. It's my obsession. The input output of sound. Yes, indeed, that is my life. So we'll have links to those uh, models on our show page, so folks who were listening uh, can read more about them and maybe have a chance to get some if the shipping and the manufacturing gets caught up. We shall. We shall indeed. And we should thank the bros. Thank you, bros. Thank you, bros. Builtbybros.com. If you think it, they will build it. Yes, and thank you, listeners. Here we have rolled, uh, I guess, right into September here. So the year is uh, slipping by quickly. Uh, We hope everyone is still hale and hearty out there and uh, wherever you happen to be living and working. And thank you for taking the time to stream or download and listen to us. Yes, indeed. Thank you so much. So until next time when we're back with more, I'm J.D. Beersdorfer. And I'm Pedro Rafael Rosado. So you can go read some comics now? I'm going to read some comics and play with the dreidel that came with my uh, microphone. There you go. They sent a little dreidel with a, it's a, in the shape of a bee. It's so cute. Oh, nice. Have fun yeah. with that. Thank you. Thank you.